Some people at my school, they knew what they wanted to do from a child, but I never really knew what I wanted to do. It does make you question everything you do, even life in general. You know, you just start to think, does this bring me joy? But my my downfall was I was very um, scared of being in the public eye. <laughs> and a lot of creatives are, I find. They don't always want to be on camera or they're happy making things. But when it comes to you being in the forefront, it can be quite scary. And, and at that time, I was quite scared of all that, really. Again, it's all been about proactive to anyone out there. If you want to do it, you've got to be proactive. You can't really sit back and just hope someone will find you. Hi, I'm Claire, founder of Creativity Found, a community for creative learners and educators, connecting adults who want to find a creative outlet with the artists and crafters who can help them do so with workshops, courses, online events and kits. For this podcast, I chat with people who have found or re-found their creativity as adults. We'll explore their childhood experiences of the arts, discuss how they came to the artistic practices they now love, and consider the barriers they may have experienced between the two. We'll also explore what it is that people value and gain from their newfound artistic pursuits, and how their creative lives enrich their practical, necessary everyday lives. For this episode, I'm speaking with Natalie Smart, who has always loved creating with textiles, but has often lacked the confidence to push herself into the public eye and make the most of some of the opportunities that came her way. Natalie is learning to get over those fears now and finding joy in a new creative venture. Hi, Natalie. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, Claire. Thank you for having me on your show today. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, So start by telling me how you currently like to keep yourself creatively busy. Well, it'll be mainly with my business, which is called Bargello Agogo. And it's an embroidery business where I've created these retro style designs that are very influenced by the 1960s and 70s in style. It's a form of embroidery that's kind of a straight stitch on canvas. And you can create all these great things for your home or accessories to make, such as bags. And I create kits where people can make these things themselves as well, which is quite fun and exciting. Brilliant. We shall hear a bit more about that later. Did you have a creative or a crafty childhood? Yes. So when I was young, I always remember from a very young age, probably about six or seven, doing knitting that I really enjoyed, that my great auntie taught me how to do. I used to make knitted toys and things, which was quite good fun. So I was always creative with with more textiles things, really, from a child. And just creative in general. When I grew up, you had television and that, but it was like four channels and it wasn't like, didn't necessarily have everything you have now or computers as much. My brother and sister would create board games and games in the garden and naturally creative as children, we'd do creative things. Yeah. Did you have opportunities to explore that further maybe at school try some other textile crafts so at school we we used to do different textile things you know used to do drawing and painting and some embroidery as well and we used to do some knitting things I was, I was 
part of brownies as a child so you used to get your different badges so you would do things like a concert badge where play an instrument so it's a recorder so I did creative things like that as well and then obviously your knitting badge and crochet and all them different kind of things embroidery badge so you'd learn things like that as a child and then when I sort of got to my teenage years probably when I started senior school we had a textiles class where you'd learn to use the sewing machine and I really enjoyed that too and also when I was about 12 years old there was a little craft centre near where I lived and there was different crafts in there where people sold their their handmade goods such as there was a candle maker and then there was someone that did pottery and there was another lady called Anne who did machine knitting and she let me have a go on a knitting machine and my parents were lovely and supportive and she had a spare knitting machine that she sold to them so I could make things on the knitting machine when I was younger at home. Um, oh. So I made hats for family for Christmas and scarves and little jumpers with cat patterns on them because it had a like a chart thing on the knitting machine which does ferrule so it's like a punch card it's called and then it could pick up different patterns. And then in my mid-teens, I've stopped doing machine knitting so much, but always went back to sort of the hand side of things, like hand knitting, and really got into the sewing machine more than the machine knitting in the end. So I would make clothes because it was like quicker to make sort of fabric clothes on a sewing machine. I got really into sort of that 60s, 70s kind of aesthetic. So I would try and make my own clothes to get that that I liked which was good fun and it was satisfying having something that you've made at the end because I was always more textiles than drawing and painting I like something I can make and put on and that's what inspired me and excited me with creativity yeah oh brilliant so with all this creative energy were you expecting or maybe expected to continue down that road in further education in career Yes, it wasn't something I really thought of massively at school. Um, I came from a family where they were all hard workers, so I always had a really good work ethic. I don't know, as a kid at school, I'd be selling little knitted things in the playground for like 2p or something, (laughs) selling bookmarks, you know, knocking around the neighbour's stores, would you like to buy a bookmark I've made and things like that. And then then I had a paper round. I learned from a young age, you'd like nice things and to pay your way, then you, you need to earn money. But no one in my family was particularly didn't work in the creative field at all everyone just had jobs that were you know either office based or they they worked in a hospital you know it was that kind of background really so there was no no artist as such in my family that that did that for a living that I'm aware of but everyone worked hard and earned money um so I, I was quite academic at school and because I I didn't really paint or draw as such GCSE art wasn't really on the cards for me. I didn't really get excitement from drawing as such. It was more making. So textiles I used to love. And I did that as a GCSE at school because I loved it so much. Um, And I did consider, the only thing I did consider creatively was doing an A-level in textiles, which was an option at my school. Um, But the year I went into my A-levels, they stopped doing it. (laughs) Oh, no. So that was a shame. Yeah, I always remember the teacher's name, Mrs. Abrahams. And um, I was like, oh, okay. But I liked the school I was at and I really wanted to stay on at the sixth form there. Some of the other subjects I liked was geography. And I don't know if there was always something in my head that I might have my own business one day. So I did business studies as well. And I got I got my grades to go to university. But the year I went to go to university is when they introduced tuition fees. And I don't know, as a 18-year-old 
that really scared me. <laughs> the thought of getting into debt, I think it was like over £2,000 I'd have to get a loan for. For me personally, I, yeah, I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I thought the, the right thing for me at that time to do was to get a job. And I did used to envy people at school. I sort of envy is the right word, but there were some people at my school, they knew what they wanted to do from a child. But I never really knew what I wanted to do. I liked the thought of travelling. And I looked at being maybe a holiday rep, but again, the money wasn't great, so <laughs> I didn't end up doing that. I left school, got a job in pensions to begin with. I, I knew I knew I wanted to work in an office. I quite liked the thought of working in offices in the corporate world. That just, for some reason, that appealed to me at that moment in time. And my creative side, that was just how I dressed was creative for me because I would wear these sort of vintage style clothes, my makeup. You know, for me, it was going home after a day at work and then I'd maybe work on my hobbies around obviously socialising at that age or not. I suppose it was in my early 20s I started sort of hand knitting again as well. Still doing the machine sewing of clothes, but also doing some hand knitting again too. You were working in the kind of, in an office environment, in a corporate environment. And I know that you got to a point where you realised you weren't as happy or fulfilled in those roles as you thought you were or as you had been before. Was there a reason for that at a particular time? And if you took action on those realisations, what were those actions? Yeah, so there was a big turning point when I was about 23. My brother unfortunately passed away in a car crash. Can we edit that bit? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's <laughs> all right. Sometimes I'm not. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Goodness, Natalie. Oh. Ruin my own makeup now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, um, yeah, he unfortunately passed away in a car crash. Sorry, I'm just gonna get a tissue. <laughs> Sorry, Claire. Um, it's right. Which is still quite painful for me to obviously talk about. Um, yeah. You know, um, yeah, so, I mean, that was 16 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's still. Obviously, still hits a nerve. Um, yeah, and um, obviously that was a, a big. I mean, I threw myself into my job at the time. They wanted me to take more time off than I did. Unfortunately, my family don't live locally to me. I was really lucky because my my husband, who was my boyfriend at that point in my life, um, was a real rock and supportive because I wasn't living with my family. But I just needed to try and get back into some normality um, after it happened. So I threw myself into my work at that time, which was in, in an office, and that was okay. But I think when you have something awful and as tragic as that happened to you, it does make you question everything you're doing and life in general. You know, you just start to think, what am I doing what I enjoy or... And, you know, with my jobs, I would, you know, maybe work in, in one area for a couple of years and I'd go on to something new. So I was all, I've always wanted to learn new things, do new things. But, yeah, I was getting to the point where I was like, actually, 
does this bring me joy? Am I really enjoying this? Or is it just because I'm doing it because it's obviously money and it's quite easy to do? But um, And then I started to think about my, my, what I love to do create, creatively. I thought, well, why can't I do that for work? Why am I doing this other stuff? You know, life's so short as that made me realise. And then I suppose it was probably about another year or two that I started to think about... I was really loving my hand knitting and I started to think about maybe doing something with that and I started to look at maybe doing a degree in knitwear design but there was a a degree in Nottingham I could have done but it was also around the same time me and my husband were looking at potentially getting a mortgage as well. I love Brighton so much, I really didn't like the thought of living away from here. So in the end I I decided no I really want to get a mortgage, I don't want to do a degree I mean, I could have done one in Brighton, but this was more specialised than one in Nottingham geared towards what I wanted to do. But then I found a city and guilds. City and guilds are great. They do so many different course options and things. And they did one in hand knitting or hand knitwear design. And and it was one Sunday a month for for a couple of years. And I thought, well, that's great. I can fit it around my job. You know, it's not going to interfere with that. There's homework in between, but that's okay. I did that instead and I learned so much about hand knitting through that course and it gave me the confidence then to start doing some some work in in that industry. I felt by having that qualification it it just gave me the confidence to then maybe work in it more. I felt like I had some like a bit like school when you get your grades and your GCSEs or A-levels it just gave me that that feel that I could maybe then do that yeah um, which was good yeah And you did go on to do that, and you have become very proficient at designing knitwear patterns. You started designing knitwear patterns for Debbie Bliss. How did that come about? And for those who don't know, can you tell us why working with her was a big deal? So originally in the course, I got to design some knitwear patterns and get them checked and and learn from that. Again, it's all been about proactive to anyone out there. If you want to do it, you've got to be proactive. You, you can't really sit back and just hope someone will find you. <laughs> There's something called Ravelry in the knitwear world, and I had a page on there. And Debbie Bliss is um, a very well-known hand knitwear designer. She does a lot of knitting patterns, and she's done them for, for quite a few years. So anyone that does hand knitting's probably heard of her or some wool she used to produce and she just so happened to be doing a book signing event at CNH Fabrics which is a haberdashery shop down in Brighton where I live so I just went along and I got a book signed and I just started chatting to her and I just showed her my sort of Ravelry page stuff I'd made so far on my course and she was really impressed by it she's such she's such a lovely lovely woman really lovely and she said oh maybe we could collaborate maybe you might like to do something a design for one of my magazines because she's got a Debbie Bliss magazine and I thought well yeah great we arranged to meet at her studio or in London and I had a few ideas for this particular magazine anyway she ended up commissioning me to do four which was quite a big thing because I'd never really designed for anyone so I didn't know what the process was for an actual magazine but she was really nurturing she was lovely she said look you're bound to make some mistakes because I appreciate you're new to it you're quite young you're new to it not a problem for a first person to work with she was so lovely it was a dream I can't express how lovely she was such a nice person and yeah there were some mistakes because obviously I was new to writing knitwear patterns but I learned so much from that process 
it all went well in the end, luckily, <laughs> finally, you know, considering there was four. She put a lot of faith into me doing four designs for her magazine. So I was, yeah, really lucky with that. And then I started selling my knitwear patterns on, on Ravelry. I started creating some more. And from having my work published in Debbie Bliss, I then felt I could approach some other knitwear magazines I ended up building up a really good rapport with Knitting Magazine, who are based in Lewis, so they're not far from me, mainly designed for them after that going forward. But my my downfall was I was very um, scared of being in the public eye. <laughs> and a lot of creatives are, I find. They don't always want to be on camera or they're happy making things, but when it comes to you being in the forefront... It can be quite scary, and at that time I was quite scared of all that, really. It held me back a bit back then, and also I didn't know how to run a business, really, and I didn't really understand what it took to to make being a knitwear designer financially successful for me at the time. When I look back, I had some really good opportunities, like Love Crafts, when they first set up their website, and I was one of the people that went in as a knitwear designer to discuss how to like present the patterns and I was one of the handful of people that sold on their platform to begin with there wasn't only a handful of us yeah Uh, that was all really exciting and I could have done so much more with it looking back but I just didn't have that confidence and also going on in the background my husband had started his own business selling tools to builders in the construction industry and he was struggling to get someone in the office so I ended up initially just helping out but it ended up becoming a real full-time job just doing all the accounts and you know everything for him which came naturally and easy to me to do I ended up prioritizing that over the the knitting really yeah and then it kind of again fell back into the background my creativity it became more of a hobby again whilst I was working in that business and helping with that really (laughs) I was still doing a bit for the magazine's on the side around that but then it got too much where I had a lot of work to do for him I knew I wouldn't be able to keep up the deadlines because they have obviously strict deadlines understandably for different issues so then I just went back into making things on the sewing machine doing a bit of knitting around another kind of office based job again (laughs) really If you've heard me banging on about the Creativity Found Collective on this show, but are still not sure what it is or if it's right for you, why not jump onto a one-to-one online coffee chat with me and we can talk about your small business and how the Creativity Found promotional and networking membership could help you and your enterprise to thrive. Visit creativityfound.co.uk slash join us or click on the link in the show notes to sign up and book a date and time for us to get together. See you soon. Creativityfound.co.uk is the place to go to find workshops, courses, supplies, kits and books to help you get creative. So if you're looking for your own Creativity Found experience, go have a browse to see what's on offer so far. And if you can help adults to find their new creative passion, please get in touch on social media or through the contact details on the website. So from your having got your creative momentum back by doing the knitwear patterns, by making that actually the main role in your life, you've then kind of lost it a bit again by the sounds (laughs) of things. As we know from the beginning, you do find it again. But in the meantime, 
because you were helping your husband, it was the fam- family business, so to speak. Yeah. Did that kind of make it all okay? And was there again, as we mentioned earlier, a kind of point at which you wanted to go, look, I don't want this to be my my full-time yeah. work. I'd like to Im- yeah, so, explore my creativity exactly. more seriously. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really good to help him. I got great satisfaction putting systems in place and really helping him for a while. But again, with me, if I'm doing the same thing day in, day out, I do get bored eventually. <laughs> I like to like progress to a new thing. And the thing is, with his business, it's always going to be the same work. There's never going to be a change as such, to a degree, in that kind of office world. Whereas with what I do now... You know, I'm designing new things all the time, so it's always different. Although you could say well, it's the same kind of work, it isn't because you're you create something different. That's why I never became a maker in the in the sense that I make the same thing over and over again. Ultimately, I'm a designer. I like to design new things, and that's what excites me. That's what excites me in my creativity. So about five years ago, I went to Morocco, Marrakesh, on a holiday. And I noticed there there was so much embroidery, and it really is again, it's finding your inspiration as a creative person. And I was so inspired by the hand embroidery on things and bags. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is beautiful. And when I got back, I wanted to try doing some hand embroidery. So I found an online course where I learned to do. I hadn't really done loads of hand embroidery prior to that point. It'd always been either sewing on the sewing machine or hand knitting. And so it was another new thing to try that was textiles related, which was good. And that's where I would do, do different types of embroidery. So in 2020, around lockdown, I was looking for a new embroidery project. Again, round the work, like a hobby. And I was going through my vintage magazines, Golden Hands magazines, they were, from the 70s. And there was some Florentine embroidery in there. And I thought, oh, that looks really effective. What's that? And I was looking through. And then I eventually discovered the, the umbrella name, Bargello, and these are little things sort of within that. And I thought it was so effective and yet a really simple stitch. And I thought around work, it's something I can do. I can watch TV. It's not like intricate cross stitch or, you know, shading embroidery, style of embroidery. You've really got to have good daylight. You know, I could do it in the evenings. It was like straight stitches on bigger canvas with wool. So it's thicker thread. And I like geometric, the way my brain works. I quite like the patterns and the the symmetry of it. So it just worked really well for me. I said to my husband, I said, oh, I think I'm just going to initially try an Etsy and make a couple of patterns again. Because I've done it with knitwear design, it came naturally to me to be able to create patterns and maybe some kits to go along with it. And then it got to last year and I was sort of selling more and more of of the um, patterns and I produced some more kits And I sort of said to my husband, I'm really enjoying this and I really want to try and maybe do this as a business. And he was like, "Okay, well, I have to see if I can get you can get someone to replace me for the majority of the time in the office. Because he knew how supportive I've been with him. He's just a very lovely, supportive person. And yeah, he's I'm, I'm really lucky. He has been really supportive through my journey of setting this business up. And he's always really excited for me when I get sales or, you know, I create something new you've given me nine years of your life in this business he said um I'm happy to to help you too you know that's absolutely brilliant did you before actually broaching the subject did you have any nerves definitely I think anyone would like even if you're changing jobs or if you hand in your notice in your current job you do always have their nerves I think there was the the nerves of having to say to him I don't want to do this anymore (laughs) 
Is that okay? Um, Yeah, and of course, I think in an ideal world, he'd love it if I still worked with him full time. But he understands it's not my particular dream or vision and he knows I'm so creative and that's what I ultimately want to be working in if I can. He's very supportive of that, which is great. So that is good. Brilliant. Are there similarities in the working processes from designing knitwear patterns and now what you're doing with Vigello patterns? There are some, definitely. I mean... The beginning bit is your inspiration. What's inspiring you? I'd say that to anyone who wants to do something creative. What what inspires you? What do you like? What set it do you like? Do you like historical things? Is there something like from the Victorian Regency era? Are you into sci-fi? You know what what inspires you? What colours do you like? And I think always keep your mind open. Just try different crafts. So with regards to the design side, yeah, initially it starts with an inspiration. Right, what's inspiring me? When I was a knitwear designer, if I was designing for a magazine, they have a mood board. So you you have to design within line with what they're looking for and send some submissions and then they, they'll come back yay or nay, you know. But now I, I check in more with my audience to see in Bargello what, what they like. Is Am I going down the right track? Because that was another mistake I made at the beginning. I maybe designed something, but does everyone like that or the colours? And you've got to sort of be interactive, really. Again, getting out there and just sharing. Um, so, yeah, initially it starts with a similar thing with knitwear. It's inspiration and then working out how you're going to do it. So, obviously, different mediums, obviously, with embroidery and, and knitting. But, again, the same thing. You calculate, you work out colours, you do the making, which is really fun. So, it's very similar in that respect, definitely. Although a different kind of working out the design. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you've got some kind of freedoms, but then also guidance from your audience. You've probably got the skills, the technical skills for actually writing the pattern and writing the instructions. You know, I'm an editor of books where people need to read the book and know what to do and getting that text down and those charts and pictures down properly so that your audience can really do it is, of course, very, very important. (laughs) You're absolutely right. That's the other part, being able to write knitwear patterns. I always got good feedback from the mags. They love working with me for knitwear design because they said I wrote my patterns very well. It made writing Bargello patterns, I already, in my head, I suppose, had a format of how to chart them, how to make them in a way that people could read them, hopefully read them well. So far, touch wood, I've had some good feedback on my patterns and people saying how well laid out they are and how they can read them, the charts. I just got literally obsessed with Bargello embroidery. I mean, I I, I still love knitting and all those kind of things, but I'm really inspired at the minute by this style of of embroidery, which I'm loving. So that's good. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's brilliant. Having turned Bargello into a business. Yeah. Do you feel that you are still able to glean the benefits of creativity on your overall lifestyle? And what plans do you have for the future? Oh, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, so I'm always trying to learn new things that maybe I can incorporate into Bargello at some point. Sometimes with the Bargello, I will do other crafts around that. I, like sometimes I might sew some clothes for myself that might go with the Bargello accessory or, you know, so I'll do some sewing, which I love doing. I'm a big believer of slow fashion <laughs> personally, and I like to make my own clothes when I can. I think from doing the embroidery, it's made me want to do some more things that I'm 
I'm doing actually by hand so not all on the sewing machine or things like that and that's been really good fun doing other types of embroidery where you're still using wool and I've been really enjoying that yeah so I think plans for the future is just create more kits just see Bargello a go-go grow really get more of an audience get more people to know of the, the brand and and what I do and in my business I do try and use British suppliers I use Appleton's wool in my kits which is made and produced and dyed in the UK which is amazing and I got to visit them and it was just brilliant you know to just to, to know we've still got that here in England is 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 great and we haven't got a sort of travel miles to get that and I've recently collaborated with some people on some kits a really good artist locally who designed my latest tote bags her name's Natalie in Sussex a business called 13 Scorpios and then Zoe who's also local to me who's got a company called Ada Binks I recently collaborated with her to make some cool um, wall hanging edges for one of my kits which was really good and she does that 60s style kind of jewellery and things with Perspex and the Perspex is made in the UK so it's all really good and it's great to meet again through creativity you make all these meet all these new people like through your group as well I managed to supply some kits before in the creativity found group with Nancy who does createful in Portsmouth yeah yeah we, we love a bit of collaboration and that's what's good with creativity found because you you get to sh- share your skills and with other people and it's great yeah yeah absolutely that's an absolute joy to be able to facilitate that so Natalie how can people connect with you lots of different ways <laughs> on a few things now seems to be building up with all the social media the way we're growing there's obviously my website which is www.bargelloagogo.com it's b-a-r-g-e-l-l-o agogo.com i'm on instagram which is bargelloagogo i'm also on youtube where i do free videos showing techniques of bargello embroidery and sometimes i show free patterns on how to make things as well and i'm on facebook there's a facebook page as well and pinterest but if you go to the website, ultimately, you will there'll be a link to various things. You can have a look around there and see. Yeah, Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking with me today. It's been really good to hear your story. It's been interesting to hear you. You're like a creativity found found <laughs> as you went to it and then went away and then came back again. Um, so that's good perseverance. <laughs> it's in you. You just keep keep trying and you find a way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the story in that. You know, don't never give up on your dreams. Just keep keep trying and. It will happen for you, you know, it will happen. Um, you just got to put yourself out there, almost get over yourself in a way. <laughs> don't be scared, don't be shy, just just try. And, yeah, sometimes, you know, there will be no's in life and you just keep trying and you find a way. And I just think that's the best thing you can do, really. Just don't do what I did in, in the knitwear side and just be a bit afraid and, <laughs> and back away. Just keep pushing yourself. To go outside your comfort zone that is difficult for people sometimes but you've just got to, if you really want it you'll you'll find a way and it gets easier you get used to it like anything the more you do it if you're enjoying it you don't even see it as a big learning curve you're just enjoying the process and when you find that craft or whatever it is you enjoy creatively you're ultimately enjoying it and it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you make mistakes the importance of enjoyment not perfectionism definitely i, I completely agree <laughs> yeah Brilliant. Thank you so much, Natalie.
Thank you for having me on here today, Claire. Much appreciated. And, um, You're very welcome. I look forward to seeing more in the group. So, excellent. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Creativity Found. If your podcast app has the facility, please leave a rating and review to help other people find us. On Instagram and Facebook, follow at Creativity Found Podcast. And on Pinterest, look for at Creativity Found. And finally, don't forget to check out creativityfound.co.uk, the website connecting adults who want to find a creative outlet with the artists and crafters who can help them tap into their creativity. When I created the Creativity Found website and the collective membership, I had no previous knowledge regarding the technical aspects of making an idea into a reality, a bit like when I started this podcast. I came across Kajabi, which allowed me to build the website so that visitors can easily find the creative classes, kits or supplies they are looking for through pages that look inviting and that showcase my members' talents. Kajabi also handles the membership, my mailing list and newsletters, the online community, taking payments and it's where I host the Creativity Found Collective online meetups. If you're interested to learn more about how Kajabi can help you run and streamline your small business, you can find an affiliate link in the show notes and receive a 14-day free trial.